Everyone, welcome back to the Sound Logic Podcast. Today we are discussing album number 92, which is Axis Bold as Love by the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Radio Station EXP. Tonight we are featuring an interview with the Jimi Hendrix Experience released three albums as a group. All three of them are on this 500 list, and we've Amazing. already done two of them. So this is, we're not even, they're all three of them are in the top 100. <laughs> so this is the third of, of those three albums. Uh, Jimmy did one more album, I believe. Um, I think he recorded it just before his passing was Jimi Hendrix and the Band of Gypsies, or Band of Gypsies, I think was not with the Jimi Hendrix experience, but the first three were, and uh, here we are at <laughs> the yep. last one. Um, should we just dive into some details there, Ben? Yeah. Okay. Details, 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 details. So this album was released December 1st, 1967. This was their second studio album. Um, Our Experience was their first, and then Electric Ladyland was their third. Um all songs were written by Jimi Hendrix, except She's So Fine, written by bassist Noel Redding. And I believe he takes the lead vocal on that, too. Uh, whereas Jimi has all the other lead vocal on every other track. Uh, it charted quite well, went number five in the UK, uh, number three in the US. I believe Are You Experienced It Better in the UK, because that's where kind of where he started um, and, and got kind of cut his teeth in there. Uh, in the UK. Uh, sales, I certified 1 million in the US, 100,000 in the UK. I didn't see any other certification. So we'll say at least over 1 million. Um, feels low, but I feel like this might not be quite as, the album might not be as popular as Are You Experience? I mean, there's so many hits on yeah, that. Right. Yeah. And in fact, this um, this album, they only released one single. Up from the skies, one rainy wish. Uh, the only single. That's not even a song I'm very familiar with. Yeah, it's fascinating. This album. Um, if I if I had no uh, internet connection and was trying to arrange the three albums in terms of um, when they came out, I would have assumed this one came before. Partially for that reason that there there just isn't as much familiarity on this one. Right. Yeah. As uh, with Are You Experienced? Almost. There's a lot of experimental stuff here too, and it almost feels like a band's trying to find their sound in a way. Um, it's yeah. it's very clearly Jimi Hendrix, um, but are you experienced mm. as a debut album? It feels so much more polished and put together, perhaps yeah. because of its familiarity. That I was somewhat surprised as I was journeying through this um, to find that you know just one single and. It still did quite well, as you said. I think it's certified platinum in the U.S. and silver in the U.K. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it, it certainly was popular enough. Um, it's nothing to, no slouch to have those <laughs> accomplishments. Um, perhaps playing on the the success of the first one. Another interesting note: they they finished recording their first uh, album, "Are You Experienced?" in April of '67. 
and and it came out in May, and then they were started recording this album in May <laughs> of, <laughs> of the same year, and then so amazing. The, their first album came out in May, and this album come is released in December. So I mean, like that. Uh, it still just blows my mind. Even like even when we were kids, Ben, like in the '90s and the 2000s, you'd yeah. still only get an album every three or four years. Even today, yeah. If your if your your favorite artist is even making albums and not just you know right. re- releasing songs, which you can do, yep. it's still you know like three four years. Like, can you imagine your favorite artist and you get a new album like every nine months? <laughs> And like, to have it be good too. Well, That's the yes, other thing. Like, yeah, I think when, when really we were good. in high school, when the record company would push a band to get their sophomore album out, it often wasn't yeah. very good. <laughs> and yeah, a sophomore slump or a sophomore sophomore slump. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just oh man, and and I think that you know they they had a very. Um, I don't want to say strict or rigid, but consistent schedule of mm. uh, gigging and then going back to the studio and writing and gigging. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they did that. They just like, that's yeah. what they did. And I think so many bands, they just, they had just this work ethic or maybe some of it was, you know, fueled by different substances, which is, you know, whatever it is, what it is. But um, one way or the other, they, they just, they, they were just working like crazy. I think now, you know, you get a lot more of the quote work was, is the touring, you know, the yeah, touring, right. the promoting, you know, doing the shows, doing the interviews, doing the music videos, doing the, you know, everything, you know, promoting is, is still a big deal back then. There really, you know, there weren't music videos. There weren't TikToks, There weren't YouTubes. There weren't any of that stuff. It was just write songs, record, yeah, may- maybe do some interviews or TV shows, radio, uh, but that's like in the morning, you know, if you've ever seen video of, you know, radio interviews, you know, you got the artist <laughs> coffee yeah. in coffee in hand, sunglasses on from the, the gig and the party the night before. And, yeah. you know, in the morning is the radio show or noontime and then go get some rest and get ready for the, the gig in the evening. You know, <laughs> that was that was it. Like, that's yep. what they did. Yep. And and. Man, it was just just wild. Um, it's it's still just we've talked about this the 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 incredible pace that music was being released yes. in the late '60s by yes. all artists. You know, it's uh, not only you know, especially the the first iteration of this list was so heavily based in the late '60s, mm-hmm. early '70s. Um, it still has a lot of that, but comparatively. There was so much more music, so many more albums and good albums and popular albums, influential albums being released at that time. It's just, I don't need to beat a bad, dead horse, but it just still, <laughs> it just blows my mind. And it's not yeah. what you and I grew up with. Right, right. There was lots of music and there were artists that were working hard mm-hmm. and doing lots, but just not at this rate, not anywhere near this rate. It's crazy. Right. A book we haven't talked about in a while, but um, a book that I have in 2000, it was voted number 147. In Colin Larkin's uh, all all time top 1,000 albums, I've got that one. Um, <laughs> um, Jimi Hendrix has has a number of credits on the album, which <laughs> is kind of funny. Vocals, electric guitar, piano, recorder, Glockenspiel on Little Wing, <laughs> which is actually a really cool part of that song. I think it gives it some nice flavor, and the voice of Mr. Paul Caruso on EXP, which I think is the intro to the album. Is that right? 
Did I get that yes. right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a, it's almost like a sketch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, or like a little interview or something. It's kind of fun. Um, yeah. That's quite a quite a rundown. Now, I know they're, you know, a small band, so they're going to maybe be doing multiple different things. But when I saw that, I thought, wow, what a extensive <laughs> thing for a guy who's known as just being a guitar god. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, the other artists like Mitch Mitchell, drums, backing vocals, and the interviewer on EXP, <laughs> Noel, Noel Redding, bass guitar, four and eight string backing vocals, foot stomping, <laughs> and lead vocals on She's So Fine. So they're, they're all, they're all, um, you know, contributing yeah. <laughs> in many different ways. Um, and you get the sense that there was a lot of, I mean, Jimi Hendrix is, you know, kind of on a level all himself, but there's a lot of, uh, creative fuel here a lot yes. of cre- a lot of creativity between them and i mean uh you know anybody who talks about the Jimi hendrix experience i think knows how good the other players are right. i think people who aren't into the music you know it's just Jimi hendrix like this amazing guitarist who kind of turned the world of playing electric guitar just on its head and it was mm-hmm. changed forever but I mean, you got to give credit to these other guys. I mean, they're so good. The the drumming, both of them. Like like the drumming. You listen to the fills and all the little, um, you know, stutter uh, hits between ghost hits between the the main beats. Uh, I've got it in my headphone right now, and it's just it's so good. Bass playing, very creative, very melodic. Lots of walking around, very complimentary yeah. to Jimmy's playing. I mean, these these guys are these guys are good, and, and I don't think they get. I think now maybe more than earlier, but they get they still don't get enough credit um, for. I mean, it, and it's not easy to support <laughs> a player no. like Jimmy. Like, how do you, what do you do? You know, when yes. he's just like like you right out in the. Well, you got to be good, but you got to. I mean, there has to be balance, right? If you try yes. and compete with that, it's not going to be good. But you can't just right. play, you know, one note on on the eights. You know, that's going to be kind of so. I mean, that could have been an option. I think that would have <laughs> been a way to like sort of highlight his guitar playing even more. I guess so, but I mean, it just um, but that's it not fits the direction. So, no, and it fits so well. <laughs> yeah. One other piece here that I think is worth mentioning, and that's that uh, this is when. Um, people start to realize that he might be pretty good at producing music and not just playing music. Oh, okay. Um, the, I, I, I will say strong recommendation. I think maybe we had this recommendation when we listened to Electric Ladyland. Get a good set of headphones and listen to this with like real intentional stereo sound. Right, yeah. Um, because the, the opening track uh, starts swirling around you. Right. And yeah, they yeah, play yeah, yeah. a lot with left, right, with fade, with making the music um, do some pretty crazy things. Uh, and I think a lot of that is Jimmy. He um, he was known as a perfectionist in the studio mm-hmm. to the chagrin of his bandmates. Like sometimes they were just like, come on, let's move on. We've got this. And, and he'd need to do more takes. But it turned out that that perfectionism was also... Um, I guess empowered when he was behind the, the control knobs too, and right. uh, you can hear it here. This is this is a really well mixed album um, for for three kind of virtuosos. Uh, it's it showcases them well, 
and you can tell there's like a production element that's also pretty genius too <laughs> yeah i almost for yeah and you're right because you know sometimes i'm listening out of crappy speakers <laughs> almost yeah. forget yeah there's so much happening and, and it's so much of it was new um and and very experimental we'll talk a bit more about that um as we get into some of the music um anything else before we move on to this uh album cover Ooh, it's a good one <laughs> um okay uh, please, please, please pause this podcast right now and Google the album cover to access Bolt's Love. Um, <laughs> man, like, before I even describe it, um, and hats off to uh, to Greg for, for complimenting <laughs> my description of album covers because I thought, oh, <laughs> must be so ridiculous. But I don't know if I can do this one. But anyways, um uh, look this up because this is like to me the epitome of a psychedelic album cover like yeah. this is this is if you said what's a psychedelic album cover like this is what it's supposed to look like um okay so it's um it's a drawing um it's man this is hard to describe um there's like a sun at the top and yeah. it's got the Jimi Hendrix experience, but it's written almost like in, you know, like uh, like it would be another alphabet or another language, like um, mm. like it's Hindu, got almost an Arabic script to it, yeah. Arabic or, or Hindu, or yeah. um, because I believe the the artist the 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 depictions are, are Hindu. I think mm-hmm. um, I'll get into that in a minute. But basically, you've got in the front, you've got. Jimi Hendrix looking kind of in front of us was hand up. He's got like uh, henna designs on his hand. And um, beside him, he's facing forward. Uh, Mitch and Noel are facing left and right. And their hair, they've all kind of got the black kind of afro. But their hair almost is blending together. Like you can't tell where Jimmy's ends and the other ones start. And then you have all these figures like branching out like mirroring out from the side and they've got all these like multiple hands like you would see and gods i guess yeah and then above them is like the the cobra like one right above them and then it spreads out and this red and yellow sunbeam almost like uh like the old japanese flag um but different colors uh it's like well not it's almost magenta and, and orange really um really psychedelic really cool um um and, and I'll read something here. The, the album cover depicts Hendrix and the experience as various forms of Vishnu, incorporating a painting of the musicians by Roger Law from a photo portrait by Carl Ferris. Um, Melody maker journalist Nick Jones described the artwork as a beautiful fold-out package that compensated for the very poor presentation <laughs> of Are You Experience? And we've ta- we talked yeah, about that. we did. Are You Experience was like just kind of these, you know, kind of blah photos yeah one of them was a fisheye lens which was kind of cool the other one i think was the uk one or the european one was kind of just weird font and just a kind of, kind of dark of ho-hum picture of them yeah, yeah. uh he liken, and i thought about this too uh he likens the design to the cover image of the beatles sergeant peppers which had come out i think the same year yeah I think it was earlier that year. Uh, he said it showed Hendrix with a lot of freaky-looking Indian cats and gods, sages, <laughs> uh, and one guy with an elephant's trunk for a nose or something. <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah. Um, 
Hendrix expressed dismay at the choice of cover art. He stated that the cover would have been more appropriate had it highlighted his Native American heritage. So he didn't even really approve of it. The painted painted image of the experience was then superimposed on top of a copy of mass-produced religious poster. Hendrix commented, the three of us have nothing to do with what's on the Axis cover. Unlike the previous album's cover art, both the UK and US editions featured the same image because they were different for um, for your experience. Uh, Some Hindus have expressed anger over the use of religious images for the album's artwork. The Malaysian government's home ministry instituted a ban on the album's art in response to complaints. Um, And I could totally understand that because it's not like this was a Hindu artist who did it or that they had any permission. So this is just what we would probably refer to as cultural appropriation at this point. So um, as much as I said, like, it's really cool to look at and it kind of does to me sort of define and express the psychedelic era and kind of people expanding their experiences and consciousness maybe not knowledge but yeah consciousness that's for sure but <laughs> their experience of like well let's check out buddhism let's check out hinduism let's check out um you know islam and and, yep. and all these things like let's open our minds to everything you know that was certainly new and certainly parts of it were positive but maybe not the way they did this um right all that to say uh it's a pretty captivating image um, it is. Yeah, I think it's so bright too. Like yeah. The choice of those bold, bright pastel colors, I think, just really makes it pop. And because there's so much going on there, similar to Sergeant Pepper's, I guess, it makes you want to like have a full size version in front of you, yeah. So you can really inspect it closely and look at all the different elements and symbols and things like that. It's kind of a letdown that it was just adding their faces to something that already existed <laughs> right yeah um but, yeah but it is a really neat piece of art mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um was this was this a double no this wasn't a double um this was a single a lot of yep. tracks but a lot of them are short it, it actually total running time is only uh, 38 49 so so not even 39 minutes so it's shorter um but a lot of tracks um Longest one is five and a half minutes, Ben. So, um, all right. So nothing, nothing uh, too epically long for you nope. here, but um, a lot of them. That, yeah, <laughs> I know you like that. Um, and and though there was only one single, uh, one rainy wish. Um, there's a few other songs that have really become Jimi Hendrix staples from live performances and other people doing like I think like Little Wing. Yeah. It's such a, a, a Jimi Hendrix blues classic, and I think uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, I think, who played a lot mm. of Jimmy and and mm. kind of had a, you know, he's often there's there's arguments all the time of who was better, because his style really, I think, draws and he was inspired by Jimi Hendrix playing style and kind of incorporated that into his style. He would often, I think, Little Wing was one that he did quite often. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I'm familiar with is Castles Made of Sand. Uh, I, I know at one point, I think I still have it, I had a like a greatest hits, you know, and that they were both on there. Um, I'm not as familiar with, with the other ones. Um, there's two that I am sort of familiar with 
for a different reason, but I'll come back to that. What, what about you? Was was any of this familiar, Ben, or was it all new? Like, wh- where uh, did this? You had I know you hadn't listened to the album right totally R- before, and I hadn't either. But but anything? Uh, Little Wing for sure. I'm not sure if it would be this version or like you said, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, uh, I'm. It sounds so much like Jimi Hendrix that. Uh, I found myself thinking, oh, have I heard this before? But I, I don't think so. Um, right. Flipping through the, the plays on Spotify, Castles Made of Sand might be another one that I've possibly heard. It's got 65 million listens, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing yeah. close to Little Wing. But, um, hmm. uh, so maybe. Um, but, but really, most of this was a surprise to me. And it, really, that opening track that you mentioned, DXP, um, really has some 90s hip-hop uh segue right, vibes yeah. to it and i was like Sketch. whoa what? did i get the wrong uh did i get the <laughs> wrong album here uh um opening with something uh just kind of random uh like you know playing with the stereo mix and voices and another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, blend of songs to uh, to be able to listen to this for the first time. Again, uh, I mentioned this before, but this feels like more like a debut album, I think, than Are You Experienced did to me. And uh, it's interesting that they use sort of the the success of the radio airplay of that first album very yeah. quickly then to make something a bit more experimental a little bit more um edgy perhaps and um and stuff that didn't necessarily track for generations um in the way that are you experienced has yeah really interesting there um definitely a stepping stone to what comes next i can see that too in as much as i think this would have made more sense as a uh, if it had been their debut they really like take the experimentation on this album and you know crank it up to 11 on electric ladyland and uh oh yeah so so i can see the trajectory it's just funny that uh the debut was so um solidly good (laughs) You know, whether it's, it's um, you know, just your your confidence or comfort level as an artist or whether it's the producer saying, uh, okay, you know, we can't have that on your debut, right. like get established, Perhaps. that allows them then to, you know, do more of that. Or, or once you hear Jimmy and once you see that the, the public has accepted him as, you know, their new guitar god, um, then you say you know do what you want like do whatever you want and then <laughs> yeah. and then that's exactly what he does on on uh, on electric ladyland um yeah it de- yeah definitely it's definitely in the middle like it's more experimental i think than are you experienced but not nearly as experimental as electric ladyland right 
um, I mentioned there's two songs that I was familiar with, but actually I heard them as covers first. And by the Is same one of them bold as love. Yes. Okay. That one also had some familiar vibes to it, but it definitely wasn't Jimmy's version. Is it, um, John Mayer? Yes, it is. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so in 2006, he released Continuum, which I think is his best album, and, and I think was possibly his most successful album. Um, and he did uh, he did a cover of Bold as Love on that. And it, um, I, I had I I knew because I I get albums and, and I was really into it. Um, when, it's a great album. It, it, if you hear John Mayer and you kind of have a knee jerk reaction to Ugh, I don't like that guy. And you don't really know his music. Check out Continuum. It's it's a really good it's a really good album. Yeah, um, really really good. Um, uh, it's more guitar based. Um, it's his first um, studio album with uh, Pino Palladino on bass and Steve Jordan on drums. And uh, Steve Jordan has played with everybody on drums. Um, oh, what's the guitarist? He's a jazz guitarist. Now the name will come to me. But he's played with a lot. And um, uh, Pino Palladino uh, is, a, is a bassist who's played with everybody. He played on Adele's albums um, and has toured with The Who, I think, ever since John Entwistle passed um, uh, for years. Um, so, you know, you hear their influence and some of the kind of rock stuff. Um on this album so that one and then I believe just before Continuum came out or just after but I think it was before um, John Mayer released an album at the John Mayer Trio which was him and those two guys which was a live album I, I think it was I think it was before that so okay. he he did his first two albums he did some some other artists were realizing that he was could not just writing really good pop tunes, but that he was like an amazing guitarist. So he starts playing with more and more, like, um, you know, just well-established blues. Like he's playing with Buddy Guy and he's playing with all these like blues people. Starts playing with these two guys and they do a live album. And on that live album, they do um, Wait Until Tomorrow. Um, and that was the first time I had heard that song. And it wasn't until I had had it for a while that I looked like, you know, I was reading the liner notes again and said, oh, that's a Jimi Hendrix song. Um, so wait until tomorrow and Bola's Love, the first time I heard them were by John Mayer. <laughs> wait until tomorrow's a funky little track. It's really cool. It's a lot of yeah. fun. <laughs> it's really fun. And yeah, the 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 live version with the John Mayer trio is is, is really good as well. And I believe I believe um, so after Continuum, John Mayer did a like a DVD special. It's called I think it's called Where the Light Is. Uh, it's a concert he did in I believe in LA and it's set up in three parts he does a like an acoustic solo set okay then he does a trio set and then he does a band set so the trio set he, I think they do both those tunes in the trio set okay. on that DVD yeah it's good anyways wow. we spent way more time talking about John Mayer tonight than I thought we would well I mean <laughs> guitars yes uh, guitars but I mean he 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 took a lot of influence. Like he plays a Fender, Strat. Um, you know, he plays a similar style a lot of times. Not all the time, but uh, yeah, um, kind of makes sense. And it's that's another artist that I've kind of 
followed his career and I think I have pretty much except for maybe his most recent I have all his albums too so hmm. um, yeah uh, that's kind of that's kind of my familiarity with oh, my familiarity with it um, but um, I, I enjoyed it I, I think yeah. the one criticism I would have and I think Little Wing is a good example is Little Wing is two minutes and 24 seconds long and I feel like some of the songs, they start and you start to get into them and you might have a verse and a chorus and then they're over. <laughs> That's it, a problem? Um, yeah, but <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we, I mean, we recently talked about um, Gordon Lightfoot, um, yeah. you know, may he rest in peace and the... Uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and you were kind of lamenting and, uh, <laughs> and other people have on how many verses it is. Um, I mean, I personally, I love it. I love the story. I mean, the story. it tells a story and, and I think it's great. It is a lot of verses, but it's, it's at least a narrative, but I mean, little wing, for example, like it's a great tune, you know, once you get going, like I could do, I could, I could do another verse and chorus at least, mm-hmm. you know, like, Surely, Ben, you would allow that to be a four-minute song. <laughs> Even to your standard, um, you know, yeah, Little Wing yeah. could be a four-minute You know, so that was my one complaint. There's other songs where it's like, I feel like they just get going. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they're done, you know. It, well, especially for an album that's only 39 minutes, like, they had a bit more space. They could have ran yeah. out the on a couple of these. So, I mean, um, you know, if, you know, yeah. it's when... when I try and be really careful when I'm talking about someone else's art. If, if that, if it's complete and you're like, Hey, that's it. Like, that's what I want. You know, I, I've expressed what I want to express, you know, yeah. musically, lyrically, whatever. Um, or, or maybe they just didn't have another verse. I don't know. But uh, so I, I certainly don't want to criticize that. It's just kind of like, but I like it. Make it longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or they could do like a Captain Beefheart. And, and if you have another verse of lyrics, but not music, you, the music just stops and you just keep <laughs> speaking. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's hard to know exactly, exactly why, uh, the you know the length of the tracks was the way that it is there's a a couple notes about jimmy demoing some of these songs just very briefly and then heading into the recording studio i you know with that quick of a turnaround from are you experienced to this album it's not like they had a couple of years of writing that they're bringing into the studio with them so it may just be that these are like things that didn't have enough time to get much bigger or longer <laughs> yeah um, yeah maybe it's just a, a quick turnaround mm-hmm. um it's it's also fascinating to me like these these songs these songs almost um like a jazz album kind of showcase the talent of the musicians um in some really intense ways it almost makes me wonder like could they keep it up uh, and keep playing some of these tracks <laughs> because of how much is going on with the instrumentation yeah, yeah that's true um you know they're not a jam band uh <laughs> they are they're really exploding with their their music and uh yeah i don't know they, we could we could come up with lots of uh no credential reasons for this but uh <laughs> i i didn't i didn't find myself longing for more and i don't know if it's because the songs weren't terribly familiar to me um 
I think if I spend a bit more time with this album, I might get to that point of realizing, oh, wow, that song's over already. Uh, I think I was more concerned about getting through all 13 tracks and getting a taste for what was on this album. Um, perhaps because you've got a bit more experience with it. Uh, that stood out to you a bit more. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to report back maybe when we get to our next re-rank episode. Sure. <laughs> we should take a minute to, uh, to pick our favorite tracks to put on. Yeah our Spotify playlist. Um, check out uh, SoundLogic Favorites on Spotify. We pick two, um, two tracks from each album we review. Uh, ben, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I do. Um, okay. Oh, wow. Ready to you're go. Gonna, you're going to chuckle because it's the shortest song <laughs> on the album at 1 minute 48 seconds long. <laughs> Ain't No Telling is, uh, is my favorite. There's something about the way that the band comes in that actually reminds me of uh, a, a jam band, the North Mississippi All-Stars. Oh, I love um, them. Oh my gosh, I was uh, listening to them the other day. The pace of their play and the sort of really tight way that all the instruments move together. Uh, when that when that song came on, I was like, whoa, this is, you know, this is catching my ear. And uh, not necessarily because of the reasons Jimmy's music normally does, but that one hooked me right away. Um, it's kind of funny. It's not one that I expected. It's huh. uh, it's got you know one of the lower play numbers of any of the uh, tracks on the album, but I, I really like it. Good choice, man. That is a lot of fun. That's a fun song. <laughs> um, I uh, this is hard. Um, honorable mention to Little Wing, of course, to Castles Made of Sand. Lots of fun. I'm going to go with, um, I guess, what we'd call the title track, <laughs> Bold as Love. Um, All right. It's one that I'm familiar with because of John Mayer. Um, it's a lot of fun. It I is. love the imagery in the lyrics. Like, it's... it's. I, th- I don't think we think of... often think of Jimi Hendrix as a, as a, as a gifted lyricist. Um, I think he is, but I don't think that's what we often credit him for. It's always right. the guitar, right? Yes. And not even his vocal. And I think his vocal is very good too. But um, I love the personification of emotions as colors. Um, it's really, really clever. It's yeah. a lot of fun, um, and, uh, and and has a lot of fond memories for me too. Um, but uh, and, and it, it was cool for me to listen to it backwards to hear this one years later and go oh oh that's oh here's the original and to hear the <laughs> hear the differences yeah um and and hear kind of what john mayer's done with it and and hear kind of how jimmy had initially intended it um it, it's a, it's a great tune it's a fun tune um sometimes artists will put like a single or a lead single or a title track as the last track on the album i always find that as a a really interesting choice whether yeah, that's their, that long. Yeah. whether that's their choice or the or the or the the engineer the producer the label has, has done that um when they're putting it together but like this is a good song like it's not just a filler song so uh, interestingly you put it at the end uh anyways um that's yeah. my choice good choice so what has aged well if anything and what hasn't if anything well, he, you know, he's a guitar god. He's a virtuoso. Um, he does things with the electric guitar that I think most guitarists are still trying to wrap their head around. <laughs> um, and for that reason, I think it's almost timeless. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would say so. 
the production, like I mentioned before, is really, really well done for yeah. an album in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it doesn't feel all that dated to me. Um, the, the cover actually might be the thing that's that really <laughs> yeah. screams 60s psychedelia uh, in a way that the album, you know, the album is experimental, but it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't sound as psychedelic as some other music that's out there for sure it sounds sounds like jimmy <laughs> yeah and, and he has a unique unique voice and a unique talent so um i think this actually has stood up quite well uh what about you well first of all i, I would agree with I, I really want to uh reiterate some of those things the guitar part yeah like <laughs> People are still. I, I, a really good guitarist can do this, but but most people, you know, can't emulate this. And it's still something that if you if you pull out a Jimmy-esque riff in almost any genre of rock, <laughs> like it, you can make it work, and and people yeah, yeah. are going to be okay with it. So that's fine. Um, uh, production value is is quite good uh, for a sophomore album in '67. It's good. Um, I totally agree with with the the cover art as being you know dated and uh quite insensitive <laughs> yeah yeah that um, too. so that's uh so that's a little problematic um i think the sketch you know sets it very clearly in the 60s um the, oh, the intro. yeah yeah i didn't even think about that and You're that right. that you know and with the kind of the playing with the with the vocal and that kind of effect you know it sounds like you know different effects they used in movies and very psychedelic feel so that um i don't think is age great and certainly is very you know telling of when it is that's not necessarily bad um you hear a bit of um i think you call it a flange like where you kind of play with the you squeeze and pull the, mm-hmm. you know, like that phaser sound um, yep. on the whole mix or on the guitar. You don't hear that. That don't hear that as much anymore. That's aged a bit. But other than that, like, um, man, it's pretty good. Like the the like I said, the the bass playing is great. The drumming is great. Even the experimental parts are like fit well with the time. They're not, you know, out of out of sync with what was happening then so right if you put a lot of this on the radio now i think it might be a little out of place but i think that it certainly still very much has a place um in in any rock music or any guitar based music um this would could still be drawn upon as influence you know you could put this on and say okay let's pull this pieces to make this um yeah i think it's in general aged quite well um yep agreed what else to say i guess we'd have to ask somebody who's younger (laughs) (laughs) um okay this is now this is um number 92 uh this is the the third of their three albums (laughs) right um it's dropped 10 or nine spots depending on which version um all of their albums have gone down, except Electric Ladyland went up two spots. Two spots. <laughs> um, I'd say they're fairly consistent, given they, how they, much other stuff of their contemporaries has, has moved around. Moved around, either gone way down yeah. or switched spots. These yeah. have kind of, they've stayed in the same order. 
Yeah. And our U experience went from 15 to 30, which I think is fine. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems to me like this is the correct order if they're all going to be on this list. And it's really hard to argue with them not being uh, a part of this. They, they definitely yeah. should be a part of this list, I guess, based purely on Jimmy's lasting legacy. I don't think this one is as great as the other two. And it surprises me that it's as high, frankly, that it's in the top 100. Um a little bit surprising to me. Um, I yeah, I would be surprised if it continues to hang out here. Although um, I don't know, you know, people are still playing guitar and still mm-hmm. wanting to be this good. So, and and perhaps because of the tragic length of his life too. Yeah, such a finite amount of his music. People will continue to return to it. This isn't like. Gordon Lightfoot, who we've mentioned before, with twenty studio albums. This is these are the three. That's what you've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I think I like this one a little bit more than Electric Ladyland. Okay. Um, hmm. I think there's. I I don't know if I need all three of these albums in the top one hundred even. Uh, yeah. Are you experienced? I think should be where it is. Um, could be even a little higher, I think. Um, the other two, I, I, obviously, they're significant. Obviously, Jimi Hendrix and the band, very significant. Um, I think, you know, Electric Lady Inland has Voodoo Child and Crosstown Traffic, so those are pretty big hits. But, um, you know, this has Little Wing and Castamay Sand. So there's like, I just found it in general a little easier to listen to but maybe the experimental um, nature of Electric Ladyland just made it more influential I'm not sure Um, I'd be okay with flopping these two okay Um, or even having them both out of the top 100 again not it's like what we talked before are you are you is it here because uh, it is it here because they're really great albums and they're influential and this many people said they're significant to them? Or is it here because Jimi Hendrix was Jimi Hendrix and we want to represent him? You know, we want to have all his albums represented here. Right. right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that, if there is one. Um, or if it's like, no, it was just the voting, which I still don't really believe. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it here, but I don't think it needs to be this high. And yeah. if anything, I think Electric Ladyland should be lower. But okay, that's my two cents that nobody asked for. <laughs> I guess if you push play in the podcast, you kind of ask for it. This is the point where we usually talk about if there's any other albums. The answer is no. You probably got a sense of that already. Um, yep. You did have one more album, as Mike was referencing earlier. But these are the three that are on this list, and, and that's it. He did one more album. Pretty sure he did one more album. It is a live album. Yep. Is it a live album? Okay, so but he without did... the original group. Yeah, that's right. And I think and I think was like, um, it is, it is Jimi Hendrix. Yes. Like it's not the Hendrix. It's Jimi Hendrix experience. So, yeah. No, this is it. This is the last one. But we did 
we did all of them. <laughs> yeah. Is this the first artist that we've who's done like more than one album that mm, we've done all of them? We've completed the canon. That's a good. good I think question. it is. I think you're probably right. Like the only other one. I can think of, I guess, is Lauren Hill, but she only did one, so I don't even know if that counts. One solo. The um, band? The band have two, and we've done them both. Um, you're saying the band only have two albums? On this list. Oh, oh I see the, what you mean. Oh, I mean, no, I mean, like, we've completed every album. Oh, I guess yeah. they only have two on the list? Yeah. I guess you're not counting the basement tapes. Is that even on the list? It is on the list still. So you're right. There's one more. Does that count? Them. I guess yeah. it's the band and and Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan and the band. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I guess what I guess what I meant was you know a, a whole catalog of yeah. an artist and right, we've done them right. all. But but I don't know if any other artists, if all of them are on. Maybe the Beatles, but we haven't. Velvet Underground isn't that another one that like they only have a few and they're all here. Maybe there's. There's four on the list. I don't know if that's their entire canon, but well, um, anyways, this is the first yeah. <laughs> we've done. We've done all of them. If they've had more than one, and they're all here, so yeah, um, kind of interesting. But um, anyways, yeah, we hope you enjoyed our review of uh, Axis Bolta's Love. I hope we didn't ramble too much for you. Hope I didn't <laughs> talk about John Mayer too much for some of you. Maybe I have. That's okay. Ben, we're gonna switch genres a bit. For Again. our next one, yeah, we, yeah. we we're doing this a lot, but we tell us Pivot. what we have. Uh, <laughs> tell us what we got coming up next week. Uh, uh, coming in at number ninety three on the top five hundred album list is "Supa Dupa Fly" by Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. A total genre switch, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to discussing that with you, Ben. To something a little bit out of our element, but something certainly from a time when we were growing up. So uh, that'll be fun to reflect on that. Um, until that time, we hope you continue to be well. We hope you take care of yourselves and those close to you. And certainly, we hope you'll join us again right here on the Sound Logic Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.